This past week, there was a milestone. Now, some of you are going to recognize the name. Some of you are, are not. Uh, maybe most of us will. His name is Stan Lee. Stan Lee died this past week. And uh, Stan, I think, was 90, he was 95. And he would be really the, the I guess you could say, he's largely responsible for what we would call the Marvel Universe. Started writing comics back in the, in the 40s. And from his writing experiences, we now have virtually, it seems like about every month, we have a brand new superhero movie that comes out somewhere. But characters like Spider-Man, Iron Man, Doctor Strange, the Fantastic Four, Black Panther, Stan Lee was part of all of that creation. And now his kind of uh, creative genius had come to life on the big screen. And all of these superheroes are becoming more and more a part of just who we are. In fact, we were doing a little Christmas shopping yesterday for our grandkids, and I was noticing that the you know Pez dispensers are always fun, right? And so we get Pez dispensers occasionally to, for stocking stuffers. Well, there's all kinds of superhero Pez dispensers. They're just everywhere. Costumes at, at Halloween this past year was just, it was superhero crazy. What does this have to do with anything? Well, here, here's what I want to share with you this morning. Our series of messages, Broken People, Faithful God, is really dealing with what I would consider some superheroes. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, this is what we read. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32 says, How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength, and they became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Well, again, what does it have to do with anything? Well, Michael Wilcock, in a book about the book of Judges, or regarding the book of Judges, says this. He calls the four judges that are mentioned here in Hebrews chapter 11, here's the word. He calls them immortals. Immortals. So I would just say, not only are they immortals, there's something that lasts so, there's so much a part of who we are, they're really superheroes. They're superheroes in this regard. The other superheroes that Stan Lee created are fictional. They don't exist. These individuals that the writer of Hebrews addresses they're real-life characters. And in every one of them, their superhero-ness was accomplished not just simply through their abilities, but it was through their unwavering faith in God. God did something through them that was extraordinary. And we're going to talk about one of those guys today. We've already talked about Deborah. We've, we've given an overview of the book of Judges, and we'll have some other judges yet that we're going to discuss, but this morning we're going to talk about Gideon. Gideon, one of the immortals. He is an immortal character in many ways. And remember this, this series talking about broken, broken people, faithful God, shows us time after time that when, break, when, you, when breaking faith, breaking faith with God and broken faith leads to brokenness. Breaking faith and Broken faith leads to brokenness, but gratefully, we serve a faithful God who restores us even when we 
break faith. And I'm grateful for that this morning. His story might be one of the most familiar in the Old Testament. And we're not going to take the time to read it this morning. It's, it's a long story. It, it, Judges chapter 6, 7, and 8 care, uh, cover the story of Gideon. So let me encourage you, during this week, read the story. It is a fascinating story. And there's some other elements that are even connected to it beyond chapter 8 that I would encourage you to read. But one of the things that we have to keep in mind is that we're going to focus on the principles from some of the principles from Gideon's life, but we don't want to do so at the expense of, me, of missing the greater point. The greater point is not just about what God does in Gideon's life, but it's what God is doing in the life of his people. And that's where it's significant for you and me. It isn't just about Gideon. It's about us. We've said this for the last few weeks as we've, begin, we've been in this series. Here's the deal. We all have moments where we break faith with God. We have crisis of faith. What do we do when we have a crisis of faith? What do we do? How do we, what do we, when do we turn to God in the midst of that brokenness? God is always faithful, even when we break faith. So pray with me. Lord, thank you for the time that we can have together this morning. And I pray you'll open your word to our hearts and let us glean the principles of your word for today and for the weeks that are ahead of us in Jesus' name. First thought this morning, I'm just going to give you some opening thoughts that will get us into our conversation. I'm just going to say it. Here we go again. Here we go again. Once again, it's exactly what we read in Judges chapter 6, verse number 1. Read a few verses. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years the Lord, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord, for help. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, you have not listened to me. So once again, the cycle of, of evil been given into a, a foreign power, literally in every case through the book of Judges, that scene is repeated over and over and over again. And I don't want us to become so fatigued with that thought and how it applies to us. But the, we all know the harsh reality. It takes us a long time to learn certain lessons. And we just repeat a cycle again and again and again where we break faith with God and then we end up in a broken place and we, we go, what in the world's going on? But we understand that we've broken faith and that's led us to where we are. That's Israel's story. Again and again, they break faith with God. Similarities in each of the cases. They do evil and God gives them to a foreign power. Who were those enemies? Who were the enemies? The enemies were the Midianites, the Amalekites, and then it says other eastern peoples. The, what is so important to understand, the Midianites were once, they had a good relationship with Israel. If you recall, Moses was related by, mer by marriage to Midian. So here is a long connection, but yet now they have fallen out of favor with God, and they're impoverishing God's people. The Amalekites were the first ones to take up arms against Israel once they left Egypt. And in fact, God, and you read some, in some of the accounts that the, the Amalekites would, would 
pick off the people who were lingering back as the, as the caravan of Israel moved through the desert. And God said, because of that, you are to blot them out. In other words, complete destruction as the judgment of God against them. These are not friendly people to Israel. And I, and I will tell you, there are, <laughs> there's sometimes some Midianites in our lives, some Amalekites in our lives that aren't particularly friendly to us or what we believe or how we live our life. And the conditions that they created were awful. In, in fact, the scripture says they impoverished Israel. They, they, they just overwhelmed the country. They ravished it. In other words, every time the crops would grow, they were there to sweep the crops away, not allowing Israel to have any benefit from their hard works or labor. They ravished the land. You say, well, okay, that's all interesting about the Midianites and the Amalekites and the other kind of termites that are in the land. I get all of that. But what, what does this have to do anything? It's the phrase, the last phrase of verse number 10 that I read a moment ago. The Lord, the God of Israel, says through this prophet, you have not listened to me. The reason this had happened was because they had just closed their ears to God. And they are now reaping the benefit or the difficulties of them not listening to God. I don't know. I don't want to be in that place. I'm not listening to God. When I read God's word, I, I, I want to take God's word to heart. I want to live it out. I want to obey it. Because when I do, I'm listening. I'm listening to God. I'm putting into practice what God has, has given to me for my benefit. To bring life and life to the full. And you know, here, here's the truth. The, God just tells them, here's the reason, guys. You haven't listened to me. I don't know. Has there ever been a time in your life when you have read something or experienced something that you know God is speaking into your life and you don't particularly like what you're hearing? Because it gets so close to the heart of where we are. You go, wait, wait, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Not so sure I like that. Especially, especially when it has to do with our own shortcomings. When God begins to put his thumb on something, go, wait, that just, I'm not so sure about that. While I might not like it, Here's something to keep in mind. God's revelation, hear this carefully. God's revelation of my shortcomings, although difficult to hear, are his way of starting a process of correction. You see, God cares so much about you and God cares so much about me. He, in his faithfulness, will speak truth into our life so that he can turn us from being disobedient, as it were, back to a place of obedience so we can experience the full life he has promised. Acts chapter 2, great message that Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. Verse 37, Peter's words pierced their hearts. Now look at this. And they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. Why is that significant? Peter got right to the heart of the matter. He said, this is what it is. And the people said, wait a minute, that, you're speaking really close. That 
What, what does he say? You, the words pierced their hearts. They said, what do we do? Repent. Turn to God. Turn away from and turn towards God. Listen to what Hebrews chapter 12 tells us. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Hallelujah. You see, the brokenness of our lives, even when we haven't listened to God, what does God in his mercy, grace, and faithfulness do? He draws us back in and he says, look, this may be painful at the moment, but there's something so valuable at the end if you will just return to me. That's what he's crying out to Israel. And he says that to all of us. Even when we've done things that we know are kind of messy, God is gracious and God is faithful. The second part to think through this morning is a dialogue with God. After the prophet speaks, he finds Gideon and Gideon starts a dialogue with God. He doesn't know it's God at the point that this happens, but there's some really just some really cool things that happen in this conversation that he has with God. The first, the first of this, really Gideon has an identity crisis is what I would call it. And in chapter 6, verse number 12, it's what we read. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. You go, oh, that's pretty cool. I like to be called a mighty warrior. You know where Gideon was? Gideon was hiding in the wine press. It was a hollowed out piece of ground and he was threshing wheat in the wine press because he was afraid that the Midians would find his wheat and take his wheat. He was fearful and God shows up and says, hey, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now think about that for a moment. He might say, what am I missing in this conversation? Because he didn't know this is God at this point. He thinks this is just a traveler, a passerby. And he calls him a mighty warrior. And here's the, it's so fascinating to me of what God sees in Gideon's life. And let me just say what God sees in our lives. Understand, we may not feel like a mighty warrior. We may not feel like we have a whole lot to offer anybody at any time, anywhere, any place, for any reason. But understand something. God knows something about us that we often forget. Gideon would go on a little bit later in that same passage, and he would say, how can I lead? Because my, this is so cool, he says, my clan is the weakest, and I'm the least in my family. So where are you coming up with this mighty warrior stuff? This makes no sense to me. It is a complete disconnect. But understand this, God God knows who we really are. Are Our identity is determined by God and God alone. Do not let anyone else determine your identity. You, are, you belong to God and you have potential and you have abilities far beyond anything you can imagine. Just as with Gideon, God saw in him, says, The Lord be with you, mighty warrior. God knew exactly who Gideon was, and I will submit to all of us this morning, God knows exactly who you are. 
He knows who you are at the very core of your life. Psalm 139, oh yes, you shaped me first inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. You know me inside and out. You know exactly how I was made bit by bit. The days of my life were prepared before I even lived one day. Because God knows our true identity. He knows what we're capable of and he calls us accordingly. Do not underestimate what God is able to do through you. Don't ever underestimate that. God knows who you are. You should be encouraged this morning. Gideon goes on and in this dialogue, he just asks a question. He asks a question, why? And this is really significant. Verse 13, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon said. Or Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Now there's a question for you, huh? Don't raise your hand on this one. I'll raise my hand for you. Have you ever asked that question of God? God, if you're really with me, why is this going on? I don't get it. You're, you're with me, and this is what I'm experiencing? What would it be like if you weren't here? If it's like this now? It's a real-life question. Because some of us are in difficult places. And we ask God, God, why? Why? You're not the first one to ask that question, nor will you be the last. I've asked that question. You may not recognize this name, Joy Davidman, but you might recognize her husband's name, C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis and Joy Davidman were married for only four years. Joy died of breast cancer. And during the time of her struggle with cancer, Lewis had some real, I guess you could say, had some real crisis of faith. But here's what, here's what Lewis wrote. Listen to this carefully. He said, pain, pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures and speaks in our consciences, but shouts to us in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. You say, wow, that's... That's extraordinary. But how true is it? You see, we ask the question of God, and I think it's right and fine to ask the question, why is this going on? Why am I struggling as I'm struggling? Why is the pain so intense if you're really with me, God? God uses those very difficult, those very difficult moments of life in my life, to do one thing, and that's to point me back to Him. In my brokenness, I have no other place to turn but to God. In my pain, I have no place else to go but to God. And you say, well, you have a, a wife and a family, and I say, yeah, I do. And I go to them, and when I'm hurting and struggling, yes. But there's something that God provides for me that no one can provide. When there's pain, I look up and I become more and more dependent upon God because it turns my heart to Him. It causes me to depend upon Him. 
more than I've ever depended on him. And I, 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 I'm somewhat embarrassed to say that it's at times of pain, I depend upon God more than other times. And I wonder if there's anybody else in the room that would agree with me in that. Because he whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our consciences, but he shouts to us in our pain. We respond accordingly. There was a missionary a number of years ago. His name was Dale Prizer. Dale was a missionary in Haiti for years. He unfortunately passed away at a, at a young age through an unfortunate accident. But I heard Dale say something, I guess it's probably 35 years ago now, but it stuck with me. He said everything... Everything that we're experiencing right at this very moment is preparing us for something yet to come. And I thought, well, I don't know if I'm encouraged or not. Because if I'm going all through this junk right now, what in the world is on the horizon? But there's a true statement here. Is that God is able to take the difficulties of our life and point us back to him, and just, uh, just so you know, here's just a little phrase for you. In every situation, in every situation of our lives, God is at work. Don't ever dismiss what God is doing in your life at this very moment. Whether it is the most joyful period of your life or it is the most heartbreaking, God is still at work. We sang it just a moment ago. That all things work together for the good of us who love God. And I know how hard that verse is when you're in the middle of the most difficult time of your life. But it doesn't make it any less true. Still true. Romans 8, 28, I just badly quoted it. But let me read it to you from the Passion Translation. So we are convinced that every detail of our lives... I love this, is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. Understand something. God wants to bring good into your lives, and no matter how difficult life might be, God is weaving something together, not only for your benefit, but for the benefit of those around you. Remember, this isn't just about Gideon. This is about the people of God wants the people of God to understand this. But coming out of this questioning, God begins to give Gideon some assurances. God's assurances are incredible. He does it three different ways. Let me read Judges 16, 6, verses 16, 18, and 23. All three of them give you, these three verses give you the assurances that God gives to Gideon. I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. But the Lord said, peace, do not be afraid. God's assurances come in three ways. Number one, he assures us with his presence. Understand, God is with you, church. Oh, you, boy, you missed it. That was, that, was the, that was it. I set it up for the amen right there. One more time, God is with us. Don't ever forget it. No matter where you go, the scripture will talk about it. Psalm 139 again. If you go to here, God's there. If you go there, God's there. If you go, he's with us always. He, that is an assurance that we can carry with us. The second assurance, the second assurance is with his patience. His patience. 
Now, you know, you look at that, and I thought about this again and again as I prepped this week. Gideon has prepared this meal for his guest. So he goes and prepares this meal, and he says, now don't go away while I go get the food. Okay, now, that doesn't seem very significant, but something compelled him to say, don't go anywhere. And, and the Lord, the angel of the Lord, God in, in his presence in front of Gideon said, I will wait until you come back. Do you catch the significance of that? When we walk away, when we break faith, God remains patient and says, I will wait until you return. I cannot tell you what that means to me. To know that God is patient even in my failures, in my weaknesses, in my hurts. God is patient with me. And he's patient with you, with us. What an assurance. And then the third one is he assures us with his peace. Once Gideon gives this offering, here, here it is. He gives this offering, to, and, and the angel of the Lord touches the stone, and something happens. Sacrifice is burned up. You go, what just happened? Gideon has his aha moment, and he realizes, I'm in the presence of God. And God tells him, you're not going to die now, what does that mean? Because you can't see the face of God without perishing. That's, that's what was drilled into them. He said, you're not going to die. And I love, I just love it. God, God assures him that his peace is there. In fact, Gideon would go on and he would call that place, you ready for this? Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is Peace. Not only did God provide peace for him, it was so ingrained in Gideon, they became a name. This was part of the character and nature of God. Don't ever, don't miss this. Don't miss that. God's very character and nature is peace, and that peace is provided for us. Hallelujah. It's an assurance that he gives to us. And I will tell you, when you're moved out of your comfort zones, and Gideon was being moved out of his comfort zone. He was hiding in a hole, threshing wheat, afraid of Midian, being called, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And God is saying, you are going to deliver my people from the oppression of Midian. I'm telling you, Gideon was being pulled out of his comfort zone. Something was going on, and Gideon wasn't exactly sure what was next. And I will tell you, whether it was our move to Southern California about two years ago at this point, or whether it's something that's happening in your life that pulls you out of a place of comfort, understand the Lord is with you. He will be patient with you. His presence will be with you. And His peace will guard you and guide you every step of the way. That was the assurance He gave to Gideon and for us. What's Gideon's response? He was a little fearful, but look at this. So Gideon built an altar, Judges 6.24. But Gideon, Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it the Lord is peace. He called the place of worship peace. You see, how can you not love Gideon's response? What did Gideon do? He worshiped God. That's what he did. That's what the altar is. It was a place of dedication and worship and sacrifice. 
I know I reference songs a lot, and I, I'm going to do it again today, but you just have to deal with it. There was a song, and this, is, this goes back a few years, goes back into the 80s. And I know that's, for some of you, that's like, feels like yesterday, and for others of us, it seems like it was yesterday. But a song just says these words. When you're up against a struggle, it shatters all your dreams. Your hopes have been cruelly crushed by Satan's manifested schemes. And you feel the urge within you to submit to earthly fears. Don't let the faith you're standing in seem to disappear. Praise the Lord. He will work through those who praise Him. Praise the Lord. For our God inhabits praise. Praise the Lord. For the chains that seem to bind you will only serve to remind you that they drop powerless behind you when you praise Him. Don't ever minimize the power of that altar of worship to God when you are in the middle of a hard moment. And turn your attentions off of the difficulty and turn them to God and begin to worship God and allow the presence of God to overwhelm your life. And those chains that are holding tight, they will fall powerless at your feet when we proclaim the greatness and the goodness and the power of our God. Worship Him. Worship Him. As Gideon continues, a guarded courage begins to grow and in his life, Judges 6, verse 25, that same night the Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's herd and tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in daytime. You notice it's taking time for Gideon to come out of his fear. He begins to obey, but his, his father, this the evil that that the people had done, it even infected his own family. His father had an altar to Baal and had an Asherah pole. These are the primary deities of Canaan. But Gideon takes ten of his servants and he obeys the Lord. He does it at night. He's still a little timid. It's a guarded courage, but he's moving in the right way. He's moving in the right direction. There's a lot to be said about taking that first step, amen? you got to start sometime. you got to start somewhere. God will be with you. He's still the mighty warrior, and I love it again. God's patient with him. God is not rebuking him or, or, or criticizing him for doing what he did. No. He, he is the hand of the judgment of God that is beginning to occur. You see, there can be no success. There can be no success without obedience. There can be no success without obedience. Gideon begins to obey, and success is on the doorstep. It's right there. It's right at their fingertips. His courage was guarded, but it began to put something into motion. Well, the next part of this story is that hesitance, hesitance versus confidence is the way I would put it. Hesitance versus confidence. Now, this is the part where you might remember the fleece story, where Gideon puts out a fleece. Why does he put out a fleece? Because he's still hesitant. 
He's trying to get a confirmation from God. Now, he's already obeyed God, but now he, he knows what's up, what he's up against. He's got to lead the people to fight the Midianites and the Amalekites. And he says, okay, God, if you're really with me, I'm going to do this. I'm going to put a fleece out, okay, and the fleece is a piece of wool. And so he says, okay, that, that I'm going to ask the next morning that the fleece would be wet, only the fleece, and everything else is dry. Now, think about that. Who would have that kind of boldness? I mean, just that in itself. God, hey, I want the fleece to be wet and the ground to be dry. God does it. Then Gideon does this. Well, can we do this one more time? But let's switch it up a little bit. Let the fleece be dry and the ground be wet. And God did it. So his confirmations are growing. He's got two confirmations that God is with him. You would think that maybe that would drive him to do the next thing. Not so much. He's still not there. Judges chapter 7, 14 tells us the next confirmation. Now, he went down to the Midianite camp at night. And I have to understand, they spread over the entire land. It said it looked like there were swarms of locusts. There were so many of them. He sneaks into the camp and he listens and overhears a conversation between a couple of the Midianite soldiers. And this is what we read in verse number 14. This can, uh, this can be the dream. The soldier had a dream of a barley loaf rolling down a hill and hitting a tent, knocking the tent over. That was the dream. And here's what he interpreted that dream to mean. This can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. Gideon overheard this. Third confirmation. His hesitancy is turning into confidence because of what God is doing. And so here, just keep this. Like Gideon, we may be slow to say yes to God, yet it is God's character that she should be our focus and not our insecurities or our fears. Please understand, all of us are called to do certain things, move out of comfort zones. And I'm not suggesting, now tomorrow if I drive by your house and you have a fleece outside, I'll know what's going on. Don't expect it to be wet. I'm just saying, I'm not, I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. But I'm also saying that maybe think about it before you do. Let me just say it that way. My point is, is that what we may be slow like Gideon, our focus needs to be on the character of God and not our insecurities. And it's easy for us to get so insecure about us, we forget about the character and nature of God. God's able to do it. If God is calling you to do something, God is able to empower you to do it. Trust Him. Psalm 9, and verse number 10. Everyone who honors your name can trust you because you are faithful to all who depend on you. First Thessalonians 5, for he who calls you is faithful. I do not know what God is asking of you. Maybe it's to serve. Maybe it's to pray. Maybe it's an increase of faith. Maybe it's to stop something. Maybe it's to start something. Maybe it's to forgive. To move forward. To commit your life to Christ. Don't be so wrapped up in our own insecurities that we forget the character and nature of God. Take that step of faith. Go, God knows you and what you can do. Gideon's 300. 
the next point of conversation. Now, when you say 300, some of us go back to the movie 2006, The 300. That movie, although popular, spoke to a, a famous battle in 480 B.C. of the Spartans holding off the Persian army with 300 very elite soldiers. The Battle of Thermopylae. You say, well, what does it have to do with anything, Gary? Why would you bring the comparison? For this reason. The Spartans were individuals that were born to fight and born for war. They were elite troops. And they withstood, literally, the the Persian hordes for days. Persia could not get through them. And it eventually led to the eventual downfall of the Persian Empire. The point is... Gideon's 300 were not these guys. Do you get it? They're not these guys. In fact, they went into battle with the most three famous weapons of all. A trumpet, a pitcher, and a torch. Are you kidding me? How do we do it with that? Not only that, they started out with 32,000 soldiers. You think, well, that's pretty good until God says you got too many. All right. Send the cowards home. So two-thirds of them went away. Now, if you're the general, that doesn't particularly lend well to your confidence, speaking humanly. Okay, understand that? But God makes it very clear, Judges chapter 7, verse number 2, the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot, I cannot deliver Midian into their hands, or Israel would boast against me. My, this is important, my own strength has saved me. That's what Israel would say if there were too many. So he goes to 22,000, they go home, you got 10,000 left. Well, okay, maybe 10,000 shock troops can work. God says, nope, you still got too many. I want 300. 300. Understand this, this victory, this victory will be won God's way. God's way. Isaiah chapter 55, verse number 8 and 9. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Understand, God is still doing it His way. The victory will be God, will be one God's way, period. That's why we trust Him. We won't give any credit to any other place. It's God who does it in our life. He wanted Gideon to be assured of that. Well, we read one more verse, Judges 8 and verse 28. Thus Midian was subdued before the Israelites and did not raise its head again. During Gideon's lifetime, the land had peace for 40 years. Here's what I want to leave with you this morning. It's my prayer that the overwhelming conditions of of your life will never raise their heads again. But it's God's way. It's not our own. It doesn't mean that God doesn't use people. He does. But understand, God has something in store for you if you allow Him to work in your life through His abilities. Only God can save. 
Only God can save. No one else can. Only He can. Only God can bring life and life abundant and full. Only God can do that. Only God is... Only God can bring a peace that passes understanding, that guards your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Only God can do that. Only God. Be be secure this morning. God knows who you are, who you truly are. Be assured of His presence, His patience, and His peace. Be a worshiper. God works through praise. Be obedient. There's no success without it. Be confident. God calls you, and He is faithful. Be courageous. His ways will always prevail. Pray with me. Jesus, thank you for your word this morning. I'm going to ask the prayer team if you would gather on the sides of the auditorium, even as I'm praying over us this morning. What is it this morning that has brought you to a place of despair and difficulty and hurt? Maybe today you're you're just struggling with I just don't know that that God really believes this about me. I'm just insecure as to who I am. Maybe today you're just saying, I need the peace of God. I need the healing of God. There are some impossibilities in my life that only God, He's the only one that can do in my life what's needed. So very simply this morning, just by lifting your hand, say, Pastor Gary, pray for me. I There's some stuff going on that I just need God this morning work in my life. You know what the Holy Spirit is saying, so lift your hand right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. All around the room. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I ask everyone to just stand where you are. Father, you see hands lifted all around this room. Lord, some of us just need to know that you're with us. Assure us of your presence this morning. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Some of us are asking, Lord, I've asked the same question a dozen times. I've asked why. I don't understand why. The Lord is with you. He's calling to you to, for even a deeper just dependence on him. Trust him. Some of us are heartbroken because of decisions that we've made, maybe the sin in our lives. Say, God, forgive us. God, forgive us. In fact, this morning, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, if you just call his name this morning, his name means salvation. Call his name. Just say, Jesus, I need you. Let him save you. Let his life be your life. Lord, I pray this morning for the impossible situations. Bring healing and help and wholeness. 
bring security and assurance. Lord, drive us to worship. Drive us to obedience. Drive the confidence of our life. Drive the courage of our life. Thank you, Jesus. Bring healing and health and wholeness as we pray and as we worship this morning in Jesus' name.